Turn with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 27 is our text of interest today. And I pray to the Lord that, that he will give me the grace to unpack this thing. Because I believe that if we gain even an ounce of revelation from this, it can take us very far. Matthew 27, verse 11. Matthew 27, verse 11 to 43. It's a bit of a long text, but it's one that is going to speak to us. And our topic today is the king of the Jews. Tell your neighbor, the king of the Jews. The king of the Jews. And Jesus stood before the governor. The governor asked him saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, Thou sayest. I'm reading from New King James. And when, and when he was accused of the chief priests and the elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou many things they witness against you? And he answered him not, not even a word, in so much so that the governor marveled greatly. Now at the feast of the governor was, was one to release to the people a prisoner whom they would like. And they had then a notable preacher a prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom will I release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, which is the king, which is the Christ. Verse 18. For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he sat down at the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have nothing to do with this just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, Whether of the twine will I then release to you? They said, Barabbas, 22. Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which you call Christ? They all said unto him, Let him be crucified. The governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could, could not prevail over them, but rather that a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. Somebody say the whole band of soldiers. 
They stripped him and put him on a, and put on him a, a scarlet robe. And when they had plated a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail the king of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put him, put on his own raiment and led him away to be crucified. And as they came out, they found Simon the Cyrene. Him they compelled to bear the cross. And when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say the place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he could not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments and cast lots that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the prophet. They parted my garments among them and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down they watched him there and set up over his head his accusation. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Verse 38. Then were two thieves crucified with him, one of them on the right, the other on the left. They that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and the elders saying, he saved others. Himself he could not save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in, in their teeth. The scene that's at play right now is Jesus on the cross. It is the climax of a story of a man who has been great. A man who when he says something, so many people are either amazed, confused, or healed. His word alone always had an effect. But now, we see this great man being crucified. We see this great man being beaten. We see this great man being mocked. A story that is the foundation of this very meeting. That somebody died somewhere to save each one of us. And so we call ourselves Christians. We worship and we gather in his name every day. But it's very easy to gather in his name when you understand what his life is about when it comes to you. But what happens when everything that you have trusted in God, every perspective that you have had of God when you met him doesn't make sense? What happens when you finally realize that the Jesus I thought he was is not what's playing out? We start our story at the climax of it. But let's go back. Let's go back a bit. Who is this Jesus? This Jesus has been brought by the priests. This Jesus has been brought by the, by the scribes and the Pharisees into a council for a trial. In Matthew 26, 
They bring him and they accuse him. And, and the agenda of the meeting is death. Matthew 26 verse 59. The agenda of the meeting. They are not gathering to tell him, you Jesus, start preaching properly. You Jesus, align yourself. No. They are gathering to accuse him because they have always wanted to kill him. Now the chief priests and the elders and all the councils sought false witnesses against Jesus to do what? To put him to death. That was expected because these people have not been really friendly towards this Jesus. But I want us to turn our attention to the people who were around him. The people who considered their hope in him. The people who looked at him and thought, finally, the Savior is here. We look at Peter. Can we start with Peter? Peter is a man who has followed Jesus. In fact, the Bible says, we left, Master, we have left everything for you. The Bible records in Luke 5.11 that John, James, and Simon left everything. They left everything after they've had an encounter with him and he has illustrated that he wants them to be fishers of men. The Bible says that, and when they had come, they had brought their ships to land. They forsook what? Everything. They forsook everything and followed him. Let's look at verse 28. Verse 28, another, another, another disciple of Jesus also leaves everything to follow him. This disciple here is Matthew himself. Matthew also called Levi. He's leaving everything, the tax collection table where there's money and everything, and he's coming to Jesus. Imagine the one that you have left everything for is standing before the chief priests, being beaten and asked questions, and he can't even say a word. He can't even say a word. He's not saying a word. So who is this Jesus in their mind? Oftentimes we realize that the disciples had a different view of who Jesus was, of who the agenda of Jesus was. The reason they had a different view is because Israel had gone through an oppression. Israel had been now subjected to the Roman leaders. And they were looking at Jesus as the king of the Jews. As the one who is going to set Israel free from the yoke of the Romans. They often asked him, now will you? ascend. Now, like, okay, yeah, heal the sick, yeah. Now will you ascend? Now will you ascend? The kind of Jesus that they had, the kind of, of, of picture they had of the agenda of following this man was different from what Jesus had in mind. It's easy for you and I to see it now because we are on the other side of the cross. But these men did not have that privilege of being on this side of the cross to see that, oh, after he dies, he rises again. They didn't have that privilege. We often judge Peter harshly, I think, when we say, oh, Peter denied Jesus. He denied him three times. Three times. We judge him harshly. 
But I want to submit to us that Peter was right in denying Christ. Can I tell you why? This is why I think Peter was right. Peter did not have in his mind the savior that's going to be beaten. Peter did not have in his mind the savior that's going to stand there speechless. Peter did not have in, in his mind that the king, the, the person he was following, the agenda for him was not, you know, subjection, submission, suffering. Do you know how we know that? When they come to arrest Jesus in the garden, what does Peter do? John chapter 18. He does what? He cuts off the ear. Why? Because in his heart, he has complied to a certain idea that, yeah, the guy has powers. We can take you on. You guys come. You know, and while Jesus figures out the password to his powers, let me pull out my sword and, you know, hold forth until the angels come. Aren't we like that sometimes? We're seeking to defend the gospel. We're seeking to draw out something from the gospel. <laughs> it wasn't just Peter that had a different idea of who Jesus was. The sons of Zebedee. Luke chapter 9, 59 to 54. They looked at Jesus as this mighty man. They looked at him as this guy who should be honored. And they could not tolerate anyone who will not honor him as such. So, in Luke chapter 9, 52, they are going into Samaria. They've sent some messengers ahead in the town to tell them that Jesus is coming. Let's prepare. They are like the guys mobilizing for the crusade. Okay? By now, Jesus' fame has spread all over. And they're expecting that, you know, some honor, some respect be granted. But the messengers come back and tell them that they are not, you're not going to be received in Samaria. And they were so mad. How can they not receive him? Hear their recommendation. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. So there's a countenance that Jesus carries that they are looking at him and he's no longer glowing. He's already going downwards. But I want you to see what the sons of Zebedee said. All the disciples all together. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and do what? And do what? And consume them. Even Elijah did it. So they have a mind that this Jesus that we have is for chariots. This Jesus that we have is for blades. This Jesus that we have is for overturning the powers that be. But I like what the Lord said to them. Let's continue 55. But the Lord anyway told them not to. He said to them, he actually rebuked them and said, you know not what manner of spirit you're of. Are you seeing the difference in agenda? Like up until this point, I don't think you understand what the agenda is. You know not. You've not yet understood what manner of spirit that you are of. Back to our scene in Matthew 20, 20, 
27, Jesus' trial. So imagine someone with that kind of mind that this is a savior. This is a king. This is Israel. Finally, Israel will have a name. Finally, Israel will, will have its place. Standing there being battered. Standing there being spat on. John 18 Verse 15 says that Peter followed from afar. He followed from afar to see maybe perhaps after some time he'll just wake up and, you know, do something. Do something. So by the time they come and ask him, weren't you also with Jesus? He says, no, I don't know this man. The one I know, if I can fill in for him, is a different one. He's a more powerful one. I don't know this man. The Bible records that when they asked him the first time, he said, I don't know this man. When they asked him the second time, he, he vowed an oath. I don't know this man. <laughs> when they asked him the third time, he started cursing himself, saying, eh, I don't know this man. He started to call curses on himself. Wallahi. You know where you want them to believe you by the extent of the vows that all over my mother's grave, that kind of thing. Like, hey, okay, okay. If you can swear like that, then we know. But Peter, in doing this, yes, the Lord had told him he would deny him. Because or even his position on understanding the things that were happening was such that in the light of suffering, he would deny him. In the light of pain, in the light of blood, he would deny him. The Bible speaks of Mark running away naked. Now you know why Mark had to do this illustration. A young man, it is said, ran away just in a tunic. Like he, he lost his clothes like Joseph. When the arrest was happening. And he ran off. He was, he scattered. Everybody scattered. Everyone who had vowed. And he had always asked them, who do you say? Who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And then he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ by revelation. And we are clapping for him, isn't it? We would think that understanding the journey of the Christ would include suffering. But Peter, yes, heard that this is the Christ. But did not factor in the part that for the Christ to be effective, he had to be a suffering savior. How many times have we received this gospel, brothers and sisters? And sometimes because of our foundation, we are lost. Foundation in the sense that whoever preached to us maybe gave us a misleading thing. Come to Jesus. All your sicknesses and diseases will disappear. Come to Jesus. Money. Come to Jesus. Cut on a thousand hills belong to him. And the way the gospel is introduced to you, you have this image of the Lord Jesus. The way the gospel is introduced, you have this, 
that there's a, there's a, you know, God cannot let me down. So your version of letting down and God's version of his will are conflicting. At least the chief priests and the Pharisees were clear in their motive. This man must die. This man must die. So when they decide that they want to kill him, but they don't know how to do it because they don't want to soil their hands. They come up with a clever way to trick the governor into doing it for them. Isn't it? So they tell the governor, this man is the king of the Jews. And they know that the, the Romans will not have the Jews rise up and riot against them. Because there were some other leaders who had risen in the past trying to, to, to save the Israelites from the works of the Romans. So when they tell, when they tell, <laughs> when they tell the governor that this man is the king of the Jews, but he listens to the accusations, he doesn't see anything. And he asks, are you the king of the Jews? Matthew 27, 11, which is where we started. Like you tell me for yourself. But I want you to see something. That while the chief priests and the, and the leaders and, and all these people are working out a way to kill him, they're fulfilling prophecy. While Pilate is, is saying, but there's nothing wrong with this guy. He's also fulfilling prophecy. Because the Bible required that the lamb that would be sacrificed would be without blame, without wrinkle, without spot. And somebody had to declare that this man is innocent. So like Mark and our spoons and the egg, some of us are carrying the gospel with a mindset that is thinking, oh my goodness, I prayed, I have fasted, this job will be mine. This job will be mine. This breakthrough is coming to me. This breakthrough is mine and the Lord is going to do it for me. Why? Because we are carrying it in a certain position, thinking that, by the way, it might, it might not work. It might, it might not work. It might, it might not work. There are others of us who have big faith with a nice yellow spoon. You know, it has room for error. Yeah, even if things fail, but God has a way of doing a comeback. Hmm? He has a way of doing a comeback. Then there are others who have a spoon that's already, you know, concrete. It's carved. There's no way that thing can fall. If it's to fall, you have to tip the spoon. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I gave Mark three different spoons. I gave Mark a very narrow one, a tablespoon, and then I gave him the serving spoon that's nice and, and shaped. Like the egg, it can balance in there. Even if it swings, there's room to come back. Then there's this dip soup spoon where the egg can really sit, almost nest in there, and he can run as fast as he can. But all of these have a risk to them. If they have no understanding that the proof that the egg in there is boiled, it is solid proof. The plan of God is solid proof. Whether it falls, whether you carry it with a narrow spoon, whether you carry it with a wide spoon, whether you carry it with a secure spoon, it is still solid. It's not going to break. 
Peter, John, James, and all the others, they want a savior. They want a king. They want a man who is going to overturn the order of the day. Pilate wants peace with the Jews. He doesn't want chaos. But even though his wife has warned him that have nothing to do with that man, that man is more than what you see. Talk about prophets in the other camp. And he says, now how do I get out of this one? Because he still wants to preserve his reputation. Pilate had a weakness for the crowd. Pilate had a weakness for, for people. There are those of us who receive the gospel, but you want to do a cabalance in there. Hmm? That God, I told people you would come. So now, now you didn't come. I wash my hands off. Sindio, I am innocent. So he knows the man is innocent. But he doesn't do what it is in his power to set him free for fear of the crowd. This man as the king of the Jews is a hope of many. Is a representation of something in their lives that's going to be transformed. But to the extent of which he has power, nobody is understanding it right now. When we move on to the soldiers, I like the soldiers. They are just, you don't like the soldiers? Let me tell you why you should love the soldiers. They have no idea what they're doing. But as they lash his back, they pay for your healing. As they put crown of thorns on his head, they pay for your soberness. As they, as they scourge his back, as they mock him, they pay for the shame that you have. So here we have a plane working out. A man like Peter looking at all his hope falling and crushing. We have a king trying to preserve his throne. A governor trying to preserve his throne. We have soldiers thinking they're doing the work of preserving the order of the day. The Jews should not have a king. Only the Romans should be king over them. And then we have the accused standing there silent. As prophesied in Isaiah 53 verse 7, he would be silent. But the scene of his trial is amazing. It was the custom that the one judging should sit down. The one being judged should stand up, especially when the witnesses are speaking against you. But can you imagine that the one who was standing before this judge, the governor, Pilate, was actually greater than them all. He was greater than them all. They should be the ones standing because John chapter 1 tells us, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and nothing was made that was made except by him. This is the son of God standing there being judged by mortal men. Now do you understand his plight in Gethsemane? Why was he scared in Gethsemane? Why was he looking at it? Yeah, it could have been the strokes on his back, the pain in his body. But for him to submit to the lowest of this all, it wasn't that easy. 
But he stands there and it's said he's innocent. But he must die by the law. They are delivering a law that he must die. Because he has come to overturn the law. He must go through the law. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Have I lost you? There's the greatest one standing there. But the reason he stands silent because he cannot answer to those that are lower than him. He cannot answer to those that are lower than him. But because he is standing in place of another, carrying the sins of another, he must be silent. Because if the judgment was really about him, they wouldn't have found anything. And they didn't. But now that the judgment was about you, the agenda of heaven right from the beginning was not to change the government of Israel. The agenda of heaven right from the beginning was not to give the Jews some kind of better self-esteem. The agenda of heaven right from the beginning was to overturn the power of death. And to overturn the power of death, he must go into the belly of death. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't speak up? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say anything? He stood there silent. Allowing the process to go through. He needed to be judged by the Pharisees. He needed to be judged by the Pharisees to overturn the power of the law over your life. They judge him and they put him to death. And that debt is paid, isn't it? The debt of you failing to keep up with the law is paid when the Pharisees judge him. When they find some something to just put him to death. The accusation they have for him is John chapter 2, verse 19, that he said he would destroy the temple and build it up in three days. That's the accusation and it works for now. Let's kill him. But in killing him, they took everything, every failure you ever had according to the law is fulfilled in the Pharisees being the ones delivering him. Pilate is there announcing him as innocent. He fulfills another scripture. It's amazing how many prophecies are fulfilled in Matthew 27 alone. 26, 27 alone, all at once. But what amazes me is how so much is happening and not many have a clue. Pilate's wife had a glimpse of it to say, eh, there's something here more than just the king of the Jews. So when they ask him, are you the king of the Jews? Yes, he was the king of the Jews. The history of the Jews was not just to be another nation on the earth. When God called Abraham and said, I will, you, you, I will bless other nations from you. Your children will be a blessing to other nations. The journey of salvation had already begun with Abraham. 
And the Jews, because of life, the way life goes, they found themselves caught up, completely forgetting the purpose of God, completely forgetting that out of them was going to come a savior for the nations. Not just for them. They find themselves caught up in trying to be another nation, in trying to have a proper king. Depending on where you want the Lord to be, he can help you. He can deal with you. But I tell you something, my brothers and sisters, until we align ourselves to the agenda of heaven, we're not going to appreciate the full extent of who Jesus is. The Bible says that it pleased the Father to put everything in him. That at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. And I know when we say that, we think of it on the day of resurrection, isn't it? But it's saying right now, I'm not giving you just power over the Romans. I'm giving you power over death itself. I'm giving you power over sickness. I'm giving you power over poverty. I'm giving you power over depression. I'm giving you power over, you want a sword to work. You want a leadership over the powers that be just in Jerusalem. But he's saying, when I will send the power to you, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. So not only will you have a territory of Jerusalem, of the Roman Empire, but all the way to Kenya. Somebody say Nairobi in Gong Road. In that moment, when the Lord is being lashed on his back, in that moment when he's being pierced and the devil is thinking, I've got him and let's see if you can really come out of the clasp of the devil. And the Lord is going in willingly because if he is to overturn death, he has to go right in its belly. I love what my brother was sharing, Alex, testifying about his job and wanting to go in there and hack Hack the, the, the accounts of the bad government officials. And I don't know what he'll do with that money without being tempted. He may just become another one. But we have prayed for you that you will not be overcome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because Jesus himself was tempted with power. That you know you can abandon this whole kingdom thing and just be a king of a many Many, many territories. When the devil took him on the highest mountain and said, behold the, the kingdoms. All these I will give you. He was being tested to see whether the agenda of men would entice him away from the agenda of God. Sometimes when we come to the Lord, my brothers and sisters, we come to the Lord seeking something. And to the extent to which he begins to deal with us, especially when this thing doesn't work, it becomes tough. We can take the posture of Peter and deny him that I don't think God works like that. We may not outrightly say, me, I don't believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus. But the works that you do have a limit to them. You say, ah, this Jesus, apple. 
try another software. This one doesn't work here. What happens when prayer goes unanswered? What happens when Jesus doesn't deliver that career that you've wanted? Especially gifted people, when you come to the Lord, you believe he's going to, I'm going to be a preacher, fire-breathing preacher. Crusades will be filled up, stadiums. But let me tell you, at that point, you're not really looking for Jesus. You're looking for another career labeled Jesus. Many of us have come to him as a method to something, as a means to something. We want to use him to get somewhere, isn't it? When you come to Jesus, you get a wife. So you come to Jesus and all the dadas here smiling, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And you're thinking, hmm, Jesus, which one? Show me Jesus, show me. So you're not really here for Jesus. But none of us will admit that. Like Peter, we carry a secret hope inside. So that in Mark, in Mark 10, when he says, we have left everything for you, he's saying, you better pay up. It was expensive to lose a business. It was expensive to lose our fathers, our mothers, our parents. We followed you for three years, but now what's the plan? Peter says it, we've left everything for you. You come to the Lord, you leave everything for him. It becomes more heartbreaking if you don't understand his agenda. It becomes more heartbreaking if you don't understand his agenda. Let's look at Luke chapter 9, 45 to 47. Luke chapter 9, 45 to 47. Let's look at 44, please. Let this saying sink into your ears. For the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. This is after the disciples are saying, shall we call down fire? And he's saying, no. Let this thing do what? Sink. <laughs> Let this thing sink into you that the suddenly it's in your heart. I'm going to die. Let's stop arguing. Do you know what Jesus said to Peter when Peter said, no, Lord, you shall not die. Immediately after saying, you are the Christ. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Yeah? What was the accusation? What was the accusation? He said, because you are minded of the things of men and not the things of God. Get behind me, Satan, because you are minded of the things of what? Of men and not the things of God. In our walk, in our faith with the Lord, may we be minded of the things of God and not the things of men. May we be minded of the things of God. What is the agenda of God for your family, for your money, for your work, for your wife, for your children? When the two are conflicting, your version of what your family should be and God's version of what your family should be, God will always look unfaithful. And when accusations begin to rise in your midst, speaking about him and saying, I, this Jesus, he often stands silent because 
You already don't understand what's going on. But today I pray. I pray that we will surrender ourselves to him. Because to die was the only way to get into the enemy's camp. To overturn the power of sin which was a much greater enemy than just the Roman, the Roman Empire. Sin was a much greater enemy. Sickness was a much greater enemy. And the kingdom that he was delivering to them was one that was bigger than what they were looking for. What is our response? What is our response when God begins to deal with us in ways we really don't like? Let's look at Matthew 27 verse 50 to 61. As I come close to, to winding up. Matthew 27, 50 to 61. Jesus, when he had cried out with a loud voice, yielded, his, yielded the ghost. Continue, please. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twine from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were open and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. And came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done. They feared greatly saying truly this was the son of God. And many women were beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him. Suddenly, they were not too close to him. They had been ministering unto him all the way from Galilee. But now they are following from afar, and he doesn't look like the Jesus they knew. He doesn't look like the powerful Jesus they knew. But at least they are still following at least they're still standing nearby, among which were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's children. This lady, the mother of Zebedee's children had asked that when you become king, let my son sit on the left and sit on the right. Jesus, when you come through for me, let me drive the latest X7, X5. Jesus, when you come through for me in that job, let me be the greatest in the office. Let them know that I carry you. Are we really receiving him the way he is? The Bible says, unto us a child is given, unto us a son is born. This was the, the call of the father saying, I'm giving you a solution. In him is life. In him is resurrection. In him is strength. In him is wisdom. In him is healing. In him is transformation. In him is power over death. In him is the spirit of God. In him is access to the ear of God. In him is everything you'll ever need. For it pleased the father that everything should dwell in him. When it comes to receiving the Lord Jesus... Let us be careful not to receive him as a method to something, as a means to something, 
but to receive him as the answer to everything we've desired. Are you hearing me? To receive him as the answer to everything we've desired. That he is our peace. That's why he says so many I am's in the Bible. I am the bread of life. I am the sheep gate. I am the good shepherd. How do you be the shepherd and the gate at the same time? What's wrong with you? Choose one. I am the rock. He comes as many I am's because the true gift of God that the Lord was delivering to us in Matthew 27 through the beatings, through the execution, through the silence, through the standing there, being accused, through the going to the grave, through the falling down, through the being stripped of his clothes was the real gift for you. And for us to experience the true power of the cross, we must know that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the prize. Him, not the things that he brings. Him. That when you walk into the office, you're walking already with the victorious one. You're not saying, Jesus, now we have come. Now do your thing. Call down angels, please. Let's win this war. You're walking from a position of victory. Unto us. A child is born unto us, a son is given. For the government shall be upon his shoulders and his kingdom shall know no end. If it is thrones, they're under his feet. If it is principalities, they're under his feet. But can we seek to activate that in our lives? Can we seek to activate that in our lives? How many of us have broken prayers, things that are really bad, things that you said, I really hoped God would come through for me. I pray that as we speak, as we share today, you'll find healing in that place. For unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. Unless your dream falls to the ground and dies, you will abide alone. Unless that thing, you're willing to sacrifice it, to have him, you will abide alone. Because he says, he that comes to me must forsake what? Everything. And everyone who forsakes everything will gain everything. Let's look at Mark chapter 10, 29, as we wind up. Mark chapter 10, 29. And Jesus answered saying, verily, verily, I say unto you, there is no man that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother, wife, children, lands for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive what? I can't hear you. A hundredfold. He shall receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, he adds, they will not come wrapped in golden wrapping paper, big bows and beauties. But he must add that even in this list of the things you're getting, there's what? 
persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. So when we begin to suffer, when we begin to struggle in the faith, we should not say, ah, God lied to me. He's been telling you, you're there not listening. In this world, you shall have many troubles. He says that again. But some of us are like the sons of Zebedee. Let's call down fire, consume them. Because you don't know of what spirit you are. A much higher spirit, a much higher realm is where the Lord was calling us and is calling us today. Are you there and you've been praying about something? The answer doesn't seem to be coming. Perhaps you're not in sync with what the Lord wants and he's asking you unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, unless you just, just give it to me. Let that prayer be unanswered. But you have the Lord Jesus. And you're saying, Lord, okay, I leave it to you. You decide. Decide. That's the same thing that happens when a farmer buries a seed. He's asking the ground to decide how much produce is coming out of that seed. Because he could have decided to eat it, knowing he has one. A bird in hand is better than 10,000 in the field, isn't it? But the walk of faith is the kind that's calling us to bury that seed and multiply. My brother, you may not own that company you've always wanted. But you own the hearts of many young men and women who are born again because of you. Many young men and women who are no longer doing drugs because you spoke to them. That's a much bigger company. When he says, I will make you fishers of men. Men may not be of value in this life, but in the life eternal, we will see them. The Bible says the crowns that we wear, the jewels on the crowns that we wear will be also based on the works that we have done. So your prayer has been answered, but just not in the version you like. Are we okay with that? that that's the gist of my message, that your prayer will be answered but it may just not be the way you want. Because when they asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He said, yes, I am. Thou sayest. Thou sayest. Saying, say it in Kiswahili, what would it say? Does that sound like no? Is it no or yes? Eh? You have said it. Can we stand to our feet? And I request Duncan and the team to just join me. Sometimes watching your hope crushed on the cross. Sometimes watching your faith, your, your, delight, your, your desire crushed on the cross can be really heart-wrenching. Sometimes just seeing the thing that you really wanted taken from you. The Bible says that many passed by Golgotha and looked at him. He was not pleasant to look at. He was not pleasant to look at. They looked at him and thought, oh, what a waste. You said you were the king. What's wrong with you? He was an, an, a symbol of contradiction. 
They wagged their tail, their heads. They looked at him and just thought, no, this is not consistent with the God we know. This is not consistent with the man we hoped he would be. But we know that on this side of Calvary, you and I know that he rose from the dead. You and I know that when their hope was crushed at some point, they were so broken that they went back fishing. They were so broken that they hid in the upper room because now they were wanted men for believing in the Lord. But he sent power. He sent power and set them free. there and there's something you've hoped from the Lord and this message is telling you it is not lost it is just buried to rise again and be something more than what you've desired are you there and you're failing or struggling to receive the gift that the Lord has given to you And you would like to receive it. You'd like to surrender to the Lord. You'd like to surrender to the Lord. I want to invite you to just lift up your hands wherever you are. And just say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender this thing. I have been hoping that it would work out one way. But I'm asking you to give me strength to endure the three days of it not being visible, to endure the three or four days of it not being visible, Lord. I trust you, and it's you I want. If losing this means I gain you, Father, I ask for strength to surrender this thing. 